welcome to an all-new episode of Green Lewis. A little too intense. Yes, way too intense. And I, <laughs> I knew it was going to start this way. I just knew it. I could feel it from across the table. Well, you're you're a little sleepy boy right now. I, gotta, I am. I gotta get the energy up. Well, I have a job, unlike some people. <laughs> I have a job. No, you don't. I'm on vacation. You though. got fired from your job, and we all know that. <laughs> what? Yeah, and you're just not telling anyone. You're saying you're on vacation. <laughs> But I don't remember the last time you've been on vacation for three weeks. <laughs> it's this not is, been three this weeks. This is what, the sixth or seventh episode we've recorded since you've been on vacation? No. <laughs> you've been on vacation for like two months. First of all, this is incorrect. I was still working the last time we recorded an official episode. Um, I don't know if that's true. I dispute that. No, it we'll was like... We'll have to let a- the courts decide. <laughs> well, if we send it to the courts, it's just going to bounce back anyway. Um. Uh... No, this is yeah. This is the only. This is the first one. It just doesn't feel fair when other people are not working. And you had <laughs> two weeks off in December while I was slavishly working myself into like, a you know, a short fuse spiral of anger and rage and depression. Yeah, that culminated in me getting Omari on. Yeah, I just want to set the record straight too that I actually had three closer to four weeks off. Yeah, this motherfucker needs it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in six, I had a, in six I had months. a moment in there where I had to work two or three days, but yeah, setting that aside, it was a pretty long stretch. That I'll admit, but yeah. not as long as yours. Yeah, how much this vacation you're on? I mean, I don't know. It's you a went week to and Ohio, two days. You went to Spain. You've just been all <laughs> over the world. <laughs> I didn't go to Spain. I've been all over the world in I I I. Yeah, you got the you got the Omari on, and now you're just feeling so liberated, <laughs> so liberated that I can go to Philadelphia. And uh, with all the uses, or is that Pittsburgh? Uses? Yinzers? Uh, I believe that Pittsburgh is yins. Uses sounds like Boston to me. Use? Yeah. Or Long Island. Use guys. Yeah, that sounds like more East Coast. Yeah. Yins is mid-coast. Mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic and Pennsylvania. Either way, uh, Pennsylvania, that's the state. Trash, top to bottom. From the top, make it drop. That's some weak ass Pennsylvania. Was wow. that bad? <laughs> Was that yeah. bad? I, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> ready for this. I don't like this energy. I got in so, so many steps today. I did lots of exercise, and then yeah. I had a salad for dinner. I'm being healthy. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, because the past weekend was. It was a little decadent. I do decadent have to, say. to a point where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I know <laughs> I my, my skin is acting up because mm-hmm. I was just drinking and eating like garbage it was basically intermittent fasting punctuated by the most unhealthy decision for four days in a row when i thought about it later i was right. like wait i didn't really eat any other meals except for like massive ones full full of butter i mean the sushi day was kind of healthy it had fried chicken in it there was fried chicken with an aioli style dip uh-huh there was also a carafe of sake involved and two and a half bottles of wine. That's right. <laughs> but also, we got the special rolls, so... That's only not ex- two. I know. Only well, two. Only two. But when you get a roll that involves a deep-fried thing, shrimp tempura... Oh, right. Lightly fried. That's Lightly, also lightly batted, covered light- in more fish. And the other yeah. one next to it is salmon skin. Yeah. You know? We're not taught... We didn't make healthy decisions at all. Mm. Followed up by a Philly sandwich... Not a not a like gross one. This one felt like real food. Yes, in still so much very as gre- something made of only meat and bread. 
can feel like real food. Well, I got greens and mine mine basically had a salad on it, so healthy. Well, you ate more greens than I did this weekend, that's for damn sure. Surprising. Yeah. Role reversal, quite frankly. And then that was followed by the following day, uh, mussels drowned in butter and cream. Mm-hmm. Bronzino drowned in butter. Yeah. Bread. Lots of bread. Mm-hmm. No green. Well, there was a salad. There was some. There was some greenery. I guess there was some greenery, but that was also drowned in anchovy vinaigrette <laughs> and. Goat Didn't cheese. know that part. So, <laughs> oops, that was left out of the. <laughs> so not exactly the best. And then the following day, because you have to have a treat after all your treats, you have to. Well, have you're final, not cooking. You're not cooking. A final punctuating, uh, treat on the long weekend was buffalo chicken pizza. <sighs> that was your and choice. Sausage. I marinara or whatever the fuck pizza regular ass pizza normal pizza yeah american pizza yeah it was also well small. listen don't blame me entirely for the buffalo chicken because here's what happens is I ent- I will's like it. i only use uber eats now for some reason even though you've it's had so much faster you've had nothing but bad experience no seamless it. is the one that gives me the problems it always takes an hour because yes. you're getting food from far away okay you know you can't just order pizza like a regular person i did it has I to ordered- be fancy well, I backtracked once I realized, God, the fees. Oh, the fees. Yeah, and the fees. I mean, come on. So, yeah, we ended up getting buffalo chicken because it started out as fancy buffalo chicken and then got downgraded to regular pizza place buffalo chicken, which, which is, is not a, never no. a good choice. I always regret it. Ooh, yeah. I hope you threw the leftovers of that away, honestly. Because I was thinking, did you eat them for breakfast? Sure did. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Did you crack an egg over it? No. Have you ever done that with leftover pizza? It's no, pretty good. No, I, I eat it cold like an American. Ugh, I hate that. Oh, I think it's tasty. You know it's what? Congealed and shit. This is my hot take. Cold pizza, it sucks. It's bad. Oh, I love I don't love get it. why people like it. It makes no sense to me. Mm. The consistency is bad. The flavor but is diminished considerably. No, for bad pizza, it gets better. It does not. Yeah, this is it what does. I'm saying. It does not. It doesn't get better. Huh. You know what's better? is you pan fry the piece of pizza. That's the proper way to make a leftover slice. Don't use a microwave. It's going to get squishy. That's gross, yeah. People will claim oven is similar, and I guess it's better than microwave, but you fucking pan fry it because the leftover oils in the pizza, they turn it brown again and crusty on the bottom. Or how about we just don't dirty a pan and we just slam the cold piece into our mouths with some hot sauce on it and call it a day and get on with our lives. I mean, that's fine, but I don't like any of my meals to be undignified. Unless, of course, I'm in a museum parking lot slamming roast pork into my face yeah what are you talking about <laughs> i don't which by the way when will and i went to philly we have a lot of complaints about philly i hate this yeah any yeah continue i feel like we've told those stories to people privately enough times that i don't even want to retell them oh i'll retell them all <laughs> goddamn day listen philadelphia fuck you and fuck your whole goddamn city burn in hell yeah we had a bad weird time i don't know maybe maybe something's going on maybe it's the covid people are just uh a little extra retarded now but normally I don't, you know, I, you know, I don't like to sanction the R word, even though I've been using it. You've been using it. I know. Constantly. I've been using it more frequently, which I should stop. But why? Why should you stop? No, you shouldn't. We need to normalize it again. That's part of the mission of this podcast. But that's what it says in the tagline. No, it doesn't. Normalize ableist slurs in this house. Okay, we're we ableist, believe- <laughs> sexist, and racist. Jesus Christ! No. Oi. <laughs> <sighs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I it, it was a it was a full moon, I think. Yeah, I think it was. I think that might have. Or it, it was, was the day before. The it full was the moon. day before, but yeah. like, which makes sense for the events of Sunday night, Monday morning. Right. Um, that like, I don't know. I just everyone left their brains at home in Philadelphia. I don't know. 
like couldn't there's a lot of well we first encountered the city in the car right and we're driving around looking for parking which i don't remember that being such a trouble no. troublesome affair in the past but this time it's a saturday so it's obviously more crowded any city it's going to be kind of hard but what we noticed was that a the parking signs in philadelphia make less sense than new york city which is saying something they make the same amount of sense as signs in la which is also a bad sign right. for signs because philadelphia is a much dumber city than la well, they're both equally stupid. I think my axiom for parking signs would be two pieces of information. Some city planner needs to get it through their thick skull that the most amount of information you can have on a parking sign is two things. No parking. It can be any no combination. Standing. Yeah, it can what be are hey, the times? no parking and times or opposite side parking and times, but just two pieces of information. That's all you get. You don't get two hour metered parking sometimes and then no parking sometimes and then uh, regular parking sometimes except for Saturdays but then this other exception applies if you're handicapped or whatever. Yeah. It's insane the signs in Philadelphia. There's five or six pieces of information per Or sign. if you're going to do like the this from this sign to this sign which is one car length is for handicap parking just do, do the LA thing and paint the curb the color of bl- color blue. Yeah, correct. And then just maybe put a sign don't even just be like no fuck you figure out what the sign or paint it on the ground like a normal also i'm sorry but this is back to the ableism point not every single block needs handicap parking i'm sorry that also, philadelphia street for some parking i don't understand I'm like, yeah what are you doing are you driving the car i mean it doesn't a lot of it doesn't make any sense it's clearly no. virtue signaling from a prior age when it was new to treat uh disabled people well but they went they overdid it is what i'm saying listen how many of these people are actually going to feasibly park on this block at any given time there's more handicapped parking spaces near reading terminal right than there are regular ones no there's also plenty of spots that are parking by permit only but unlike new york it doesn't tell you what permit it is because you know how like down by uh albie square where it's like the army recruiting or cops or whatever they're just like we'll tell you what parking for these people only and you're like okay cool sure got it when it just says permit only or reserved parking, you're like, for whom and what? Because no one's there. That's the thing is reserved parking. Permit parking, I don't think they need to tell you because if you have a permit of any kind, you're going to know. Right. So whatever. But it's the reserve. Reserved for what? For what and for who and for yeah. how? And it never says. That's insane. And then the cops have a parking lot that they don't use that and take parking- up the regular parking. And the sidewalk. And the sidewalk. Which, that would be something for handicap accessibility like you can't park on the sidewalk when your streets are two feet wide right so anyway this is how the whole day started which at the end of the day i get it this is a minor complaint we talk about this too much on the podcast it's boring and stupid but it just set the tone for what was about to happen also i had to pee so i was not having it Um, oh right the whole time i mean we circled for what a half hour probably close to it too long yeah anyway we eventually go to a parking garage which is laid out crazily and has an insanely long line in it. Which also makes no sense. Just to eventually get to a spot, which we finally do, and overpay for the parking, whatever, fine. We forgot to to validate. Again run into a signage problem, which is it doesn't tell you where the exit is, and you can't walk down the ramp that you came up in in your car. There is no pedestrian lane there. Which is normal for parking garages. They don't want you walking there because there are a lot of blind spots. I get it. But in a lot of parking garages, it's wide enough that you can absolutely get away with it. This one, not oh, so 110% much. I've walked up yeah. so many ramps. No, no. But this this time it wasn't so feasible. The visibility is bad in there and is very narrow. Yes. 
So we try to find the stairwell because the elevator doesn't appear to work. We do find a stairwell, which we... The stairwell to nowhere? ...immediately encounter a dirty, dirty used condom. Someone had problems. Someone... There, there was an issue with both people, it seemed like. I don't want to get too I graphic here. I mean... But I think what was going on was uh, unconventional. I mean... In more ways than one. I... I... I, I I don't know. It seems like there was some bruising. Um, I don't know. Anyway, at this point, Will has to pee so bad and he's fuming. So it's just making it hilarious. <laughs> I said to you later, like, sometimes I think your energy just makes you manifest these incidents. Oh, yeah. Because you get such in such a spiral of a tizzy that I think the universe just starts, like... Popping, punctuating. The like sp- a bad guy in GoldenEye. It just materializes out of the wall. Boom. Used condom. Oh, that's not even... The kicker is the stupid one step down, one step up part of the stairwell. I'm getting there. So we walk down, <sighs> the, we walk down the stairwell, assuming that it's just going to lead you to the ground floor, because that's usually what stairwells in places are for, right? You need to evacuate a place or otherwise exit. You shouldn't run into a locked door in a basement. Three locked doors! Yeah, that's bad. So we reach a series of locked doors, in front of which is a step that goes down into a flat pit about three feet long, and then back up another single step with no apparent utility. Why is that there? It could just Flatten be flat it. ground. Fill it with concrete. Speaking again of handicapped people, it makes some, anybody that goes down there in a wheelchair, you got a sudden problem now. Who's going to go down four flights of stairs in a Hey, wheelchair? you never know. Or some guy, somebody's carrying a package on a furniture dolly. You have trouble. I mean, they're parking on the street. I'm just taking up space. but um, I'm just saying there's a reason things like that don't exist. Useless things like that. I have, an impediment. I have never been confronted with a series of spatial inefficiencies and absurdities in a way that all that was all it was was rage inducing. And I was like, "Huh. Huh. Why why would this be?" And I think like as my, you know, as my boil over meter kept going over, like every stupid thing got dumber. So like use condom, you know, that's one indignity stupid step absurd indignity and then to run into reading terminal terminal and then to have to wait in line in a bathroom right a huge bathroom well you skipped part of the parking garage story that's great so we go back up the mcs or labyrinth stairs and eventually do find a floor on which the elevator works we get in the elevator we press ground floor and immediately the elevator goes up to, to the top floor. To the of fifth the floor garage, of the parking garage. At which point Will exclaims, how is this possible? <laughs> louder than that. Much louder than that. I you screamed. shouted it like a ninny. And then the door immediately opened onto a scared Philadelphia family. Fuck them. They have to learn that there's angry people in yeah. the world. So anyway, we get out of the parking garage and then Will goes to the bathroom at Reading Terminal where there's a line because every single stall, which was at least five. It was five. Was taken Full up. of shitting Philadelphians. How many people are taking a shit in there? And it, it looked like everyone was having a rough time. Absolutely. I mean, and it also looked like the train spotting bathroom. This was not a comfortable place to take no, a shit. No, this was it Penn was Station. Disgusting. Yeah, worse. It was sort of worse. Uh, have you ever been in the Grand Central bathroom by the food hall? I don't think so. It, it reminded me of that, but worse. Okay. Because at least everything in that bathroom works. There's just a shitload of people. And you know like, what it reminded me of was a bathroom at a football stadium. Where you're like, I wouldn't know this experience. This is pure utility. You know, concrete floors. There is no adornment in here. This place no. is literally getting power washed at the end of the day. 
That's the only cleaning procedure that's happening. Oh, Nobody's no. sitting there scrubbing a toilet oh, you didn't... or restocking anything. They're taking a power tool in there. No, no, no. You didn't see the, the mop in the corner with dirty water in it just hanging out? I'm sure people have pissed in it at the, <laughs> yeah. by that point that we were there. Like, just they didn't want to wait. Um, dirty mop water, like, hasn't had a new head on it since 2002. Right. Well, anyway. Yeah, but then we get our sandwich, but we don't want to eat it at Reading Terminal because all of these experiences have eaten up so much time that I'm a little concerned that we just get to the museum now. Yeah, at 2 p.m., which you would think, "Mm, enough time. Turns out, no. Well, you're a faster art viewer than me. To me, three hours is just enough time, basically. I'm going to be there till it closes, and that's fine, but I wish I had four. I wish I wasn't sprinting. Yeah, Right. Right. So what that results in is we finally get to the museum and we park in the garage there and we eat our sandwiches in the dark. Underground. In my car. Underground. Very quickly. With the windows up, which was a terrible idea. Which was a terrible idea. And I I called it out after we were done. I was like, this is going to smell horrible when we get back in this car. And you were like, oh, it's no problem. I mean, we're going to throw away the wrappers or whatever. And I was like, it's not that. Reader, the damage was done. It was done. So we go to the museum. I'm bored of this story already. Do we have to tell the story about more lines? Do you insist on this? I mean, let me just... Can we sum it up more Let me quickly? just break the facade of buying memberships anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Who fucking cares? It apparently means nothing now. You don't get any perks. You spent this money for no good goddamn reason because when you show your little, hi, I don't have to wait in a line card, they go, oh, go wait in another line for your guest pass. And you go... Why do I have to do that? Why can't you just do this right now? Because I'm a member and I paid lots of money already. And to be fair, it does serve one function, which is you don't have to pay the admission. But that's the only function you get anymore. There are no additional privileges. But, I mean, granted, you know... It's just like everything. I mean, declining standards everywhere, you the know? The filling... I mean, what? well, what I noticed then, like, the filling museum, there's some kind of unionizing action there they have no one working because they probably pay shit so people probably call out because i was like it's a saturday there's two people working your front desk this is a nightmare um so there's probably some kind of terrible labor process in place there um or everybody had COVID. i don't know and they're all at home for five days um yeah i'm still willing to give most places the benefit of the doubt that their staffs are minimal or at least partial right but right when, now, when you have someone in a terrible like mini dress and tights come down and just kind of check on everything and then walk away, I go, ma'am, sit your ass down and start bringing up some tickets. What are you doing? It is weird for any kind of manager or supervisor in that position to view the scene that was going on in that lobby. A minimum of 50 people, probably more. There was 100 people in the fucking it, lobby. There was a lot of people in the lobby in three separate, sort of four separate, very disorganized lines that were all overlapping with each other and all having the same problem, which is just there's not enough people working here. Yeah. And people in Philly Y'all can't get it are together. just brain dead. I don't understand. Um, but either way. It shouldn't take you twenty minutes to buy your ticket. No. Like I don't know what that couple was doing, what their requests were. But it was their fault. And I know yeah. it. It was yeah. The person that sells the tickets knows what they're doing. They sold everybody else their tickets in a span of ten seconds. Yeah. So whatever the problem is, it's you. Right. But Either way, like, again, like, maybe don't, the only joy of a member 
thing at this point is just like you get to go to previews which is now the only way that i will go to anything any sort of special exhibition in this fucking city i think honestly yes i hate to say that but the experience we went there obviously to see jasper johns for a second time probably the last time before that show comes i'm not down. going back down that fucking city ever again and yeah i can't even articulate how much better it is to see things in member preview situation than it is without people with the general public it's insane i mean i had this experience at the whitney when erica was in town like when we went i was like oh this sucks with people in the way and even at member preview time it was moderately busy because it was you know we're at a you know we're in a metropolis we're at a major museum people can get there's plenty of rich people there's plenty of people who have the whitney artist lifetime you know it's all real but it's still no public the caliber of the clientele is just frankly it's higher you don't have morons in the way. Yeah, the people that are there are actually interested in what they're looking at for the most part. And even if they're having conversations with each other, it's in uh, quiet tones, and it's about what's in front of them. And they also tend to know what they're looking at. They don't have to, like... That's not always true. I mean, most of them are just retirees that kind of do this as a hobby. Right. They're just as stupid as anybody else, but they're reverent. But they're not talking the whole time. Some of them are, but it's like, again, it's not it's not distracting when it's... I don't mind if people talk to each other, and I don't mind if they're talking about the art in there, and I don't mind if they're doing that in a polite way. Right. What I mind is the mentally disabled guard talking to another guard very loudly about how his family abandoned him and he has no friends anymore. Okay, but that's kind of sad. I mean, that's, you know. But it's sad, but listen, man, that's really distracting. And also, that's a why fucking is he employee. there? Yeah, why is he there? Or the woman staring at the white map painting and going, is that a map? I think I see Oklahoma. Yeah, well. I mean, that level of discourse, I think you should have to take a test to enter museums. I'm sorry, but I've become an elitist in this sense. Like, I mean, you, And you know what? It's a very simple test, but it, most people wouldn't pass it. You have to be able to write down on a piece of paper 20 artists. They can be any artists from any period of time. a lot. It has to be 20, though, because I think almost everybody could get 10. I'm trying to narrow this down to, like, you need to know artists that you didn't find from a Fiden book. Okay. You think people would know what a Fiden is? They don't even have to know what a Fiden book is, but mm. we know what that is, and we know the stable of artists that that communicates to the world broadly. Right. People that get coffee table books because it's a nice thing for other suburban moms to look at or whatever. Suburban moms So are you're going to get the Da Vinci books? one because you've heard of it. No, they're buying the Tom Ford book because what? it has a really graphic spine. Okay, you're deliberately missing the point. It's nah. a fine illustration. Fine. My point is 20 artists. Because by the time, you know, most Neanderthal Americans reach number eight, they're going to be scratching their thick craniums and wondering, you know, what was that one that they mentioned on an episode of Doug when I was eight years old? It they'll was like, a Jeopardy answer. They'll uh, have to figure it out. I think 10. I think you're overshooting No, 20. because here's the thing. Even the people that can get to 10 with a struggle... I don't want there. You have to get 12. I want you to get past the teens because you can either get to 20 easily or you can't do it at all. And that's exactly what I'm after. Right. I mean, you could also just... Children should be exempted from this, but they should only have specific hours in which they can muse visit the museum with their parents This is why that I don't incorporate adults. This is why I love the Frick. Sunday mornings. No children allowed. <laughs> my favorite museum rule in the entire world They're it's like, a good rule fuck you don't bring your goddamn kids frankly it's a good rule because that's the other problem is children running around they're touching things they don't oh, yeah. care what they like i know you want your child to have some culture sign them up for the private art lessons 
If you can't afford the private art bring lessons. Bring them on a weekday. They don't need to go on a weekend. Yeah, bring them when other people are at work. Yeah. Like, make it a field trip or something. I don't know. It's very uppity. We're being very uppity. But also, like, Jesus, fuck me. Like, I... I am, but the re- the reason it's so frustrating is because all museums have become amusement parks now. Right. And they have catered deliberately towards a clientele that isn't desirable. There is no way, as an art appreciator, to view our outside of the member previews. That is the way now. You have to pay a premium for it, like everything else. You used to be able to go to museums, and it was quiet at the very least but that was also during you know let's let's take the counter counter argument here like that was also when museums were also girl bossing and gatekeeping you know most people out like they were stodgy and didn't want you know poor people brown people like anyone even like morons i I can't go to the art museum it's too it's too highfalutin for me it's like and then you know we have a culture change where it's like, no, art can be for everyone, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, but let's face it. That is wrong. That is the <laughs> decline of Western civilization, and I don't want it. Okay. I well, do not want it. No, art is not for everyone. You develop an appreciation for it because it's an esoteric thing, and your unique subjectivity pushes you in that direction because you have no other choice. You end up in art because you're a broken, miserable person. Okay. And it's for us. It's not for you. It's not for normals. Get the fuck out. I don't care. Go to the football stadium. <laughs> that's for you this you is for also... me and now you're here and you're treating it like a urinal right there's that but duchamp and his consequences have been a disaster for civilization okay well speaking for someone <laughs> who just went to philly i mean i don't know um i mean i don't know i i you know i i appreciate so like there was a moment uh so in philadelphia there's the prometheus getting chewed out by a bird rubens painting right uh-huh and you know you, you kind of appreciate these moments of like you know slightly like nebbish looking older dad with his little kid going like oh yeah do you know what do you know who that is and the kid's like no what well there's this guy you know in greek myths and he tells the story of Prome- and you're like oh you can have these little nice moments but like honestly though what normal like adults can explain the myth of Prometheus to a child and make it interesting in front of a painting about it, which is really just an allegory painting. But you know, very that, few, that very would, few. That, I was, I was like heartened by that. I was like, Oh yeah, okay. That's great. that's great. And I mean, I did just say earlier, like those kind of moments I think are fine. That's great. If you can do that. Wonderful. I mean, I don't want people. What? I mean, here's what I don't want. Let me just, We'll run down this list. I don't want people on dates at museums. No, exactly. That's what I was thinking too. Tinder date. Out of here. Get out of Get here. Get out. I don't want people doing Instagram poses. You should. You know what? It should be like a Dave Chappelle show or a Joe Lock Rogan your show cameras where up. they take your phone from you and put it in a bag that makes it not work. And when you exit the museum, you can have it back. I would be fine with this. No photos anywhere. Eh, that can't work. I don't know. It, if they took your phone, I mean, I'm I'm honestly fine with no photo policies at museums. It's like a little bit annoying, but I can live with it. I mostly don't take pictures of stuff anymore because I'm just trying to appreciate it. And you never look back at the infinite um, shitload you know, of skewed thing. frames in your camera roll and be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah that. that. Never. Yeah. You can find it in a book or online if you really are interested in it. Just remember Sometimes, it. Yeah. Use your fucking brain. This is my whole gripe in the first place is I don't want people there that aren't using their heads. Which right. it, which it could be a little kid, it could be a dumb housewife, it could be a Tinder date, it could be a teenager. 
if you're not there to engage, you should be ejected forcefully. I mean, let me, can I, can I bring it to a, for example, more even current than Saturday? Sure. So I was wa- wandering around Chelsea today, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. Uh, it's Tuesday in America. Um, Good morning, Tuesday morning. <laughs> I'm in Gladstone. And there's a black box room because there's a video playing and it's dark. And I think I walk in and I'm like, those people are sitting awfully close together. Oh, are they making out in front of an art video doing a daytime date? Yeah. Yeah, they were. So I was like standing back and then I was like, I'm not watching this video. Okay, never mind. I'm too confused and distracted. So I walked to the back room, you know, clomping because I want my presence to be known. Um and then they finally get up and they're like, oh, where do we get? And they try to like open a like fucking office door. I'm like, what the fuck? No. Um, so that's, uh, you know, one. And then I go into Zwerner where there's a print show, which was fine. Um, and there's a girl with a clear BBL mas- mask off and her other friend mask off doing photos in front of Mel Bachner prints. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot now. And I said, excuse me. I almost went to the front desk and was going to be like, can you this out? What are you doing? Do you, I know that no one wants to fight anyone. They don't. Yeah. Like I had two interactions where I was asked for my Vax card and I was like, what? Why? Who cares? Like, I know when we went to the restaurant the other night and they asked for it, I was like, oh yeah. Oops. Yeah. People do that, I guess. But like to pop into a gallery for less than five minutes. No, I know. Like, it's crazy. And security guards doing it, not desk people. I'm like, this is not your job. Um, but then, like, when you walk in and you're like, oh, okay, I can just walk in. And then you're just like, what is this? I would like this ej- this situation ejected, not like, you know. Yeah, yeah. But no one wants to confront anyone because they're just like, it's not even. No, and it's not worth their while and it shouldn't no. really be their job. But it is just, we- I don't know. It's weird what becomes acceptable anymore. What I've taken to doing is I used to be like, I guess afraid or intimidated of like people that were taking pictures of paintings or people that were taking pictures in front of paintings, like to not get in their way, you know? Oh, no fucking, but I like to look at paintings close. So I've taken it upon myself now of like, no, I'm the only person in the room appreciating this. I'm standing in front of all of you. Yep. Like I just get right in there. Sometimes people say stuff too. They'll be like, excuse me. Cause they're trying to take a picture and I just turn, turn and look over my shoulder and ignore them. Mm -hmm. And it puts them off. They don't say anything more. You you can you can put off the presence of a kind of authority that's just like look I'm actually looking at this thing will you fuck off with this yeah I you're I, posting this on Instagram stop I, it yeah I like to do that I'm busy no yeah. like just I'm, tra- walk I'm in, trying to make time just walk what are we in doing? front of people it's <clears throat> fine and they'll move on to something else uh, I yeah I don't know it just makes me it makes me so angry like this is I don't know. I thought like partly it's just being old. I, I do I do sympathize. I do sympathize a lot now with old people that are just set in their ways and are like everything's falling apart, but I don't know. The also just self evident falling apart of everything. Right. Is a factor. And it's gotten just more catastrophic so quickly that people's behavior People's behavior is off the fucking chain. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sympathetic to it anymore. You know what I mean? We've talked about this several times, but it's like at the beginning of COVID and then you're like, you're really wondering, you're like, you know, is everybody going to have PTSD from this? And it turns out that's kind of true. No, it's just melted brain syndrome. But it, Yeah, but it's like this the worst kind where it's not causing people to be more introspective. No, it's acting out. Yeah. 
and it's been acting up, but now it's like, I don't know. Like, uh, what was it today? There was this like, like Timothy Chalamet looking faggot on the JM platform coming back, just smoking a cigarette, sitting down on the platform. I'm oh, yeah, like, yeah, sure. excuse me. At an outside platform. Inside platform. Oh, yeah. Under Essex Street. Well, yeah, I know. I told you the story the other day. I had, yeah. a, I had a homeless person smoking a cigarette on a crowded commuter train at 8 in the morning. Insane. Yeah. I like... And nobody's, you know, nobody's incentivized or paid enough to rectify this situation. The, de- the decay just is self-reinforcing at this point. And the, I mean, I don't know. The part that I don't understand is like... There's cops in cop cars parked all around Chelsea for no reason other than to give temporary parking tickets to UPS drivers. And like there's, you know, I don't, I was just very confused by a lot. Cause I walked through, I did a stupid thing and walked from Chelsea to Soho. Cause I was like, Oh, I would like treats. Um, so you walk down Greenwich street and you're just like, or sixth Avenue to, you know, it's a journey. And I was like, Whoa, by IFC center, West fourth, war zone holy shit looks crazy i am trying to think I, I haven't been over there up upstairs in a while i go to the west fourth street station every day but i don't know oh do yourself a favor just stay down I, it's not any better down there i'll tell you that it, it was fine um but i was like what the fuck is going on? it was very strange i was confused flabbergasted even walking through Soho, I was like, "What the fuck going on down here?" Well, you sound like one of the you sound like one of these conservative types that I now know. that's like big cities are a war zone. But you know what? I sound like that too because it is kind of true. It's it, not as bad as they claim. It's, oh, it's not, it's not bad, some like, like it's not some existential level threat, but it is a small and persistent nuisance. Well, it's well, beyond a nuisance. I'm trying to. What am I trying to say? It's like it's not this threat of like imminent collapse. It's not like. It's not like the city's going to disappear because there's roving hordes everywhere. No. It was more it's just not like... barbarians at the gate, but it is just like... It's chaos. It's just chaos. It, Small it, scale. It was just like there's construction crap everywhere. There's mountains of trash. I'm like, I know that there's plenty of sanitation workers getting $200,000 of overtime. Like... The fuck? Well, what, I think, what is this trash city that I'm in? I think I was part like, oh, of it. Right. I think part of it is that the sanitation people and the cops and probably the firefighters and definitely the EMTs and stuff like the city, the literal essential workers, not in the COVID sense, but like the most fundamental government employees of New York City feel really disrespected by the last couple of years. The cops, for obvious reasons, um, the garbage people, I'm sure too, because they've just been forced to work the whole time with. Over time, the same problem, people getting sick and people quitting and the same, all of the restrictions that hit all of us in, in all industries. They're doing 60-hour weeks and also throwing away mountains of garbage as people throw away Wayfair couches left and right. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure their jobs have just gotten harder because sometimes there's fucking extra needles in the garbage that didn't used to be there. There's, right, like you said, the gentrifiers that are moving upstate, throwing away entire apartments on the street or just shoving them into garbage cans on the corner. Like I saw a CRT TV on top of a corner garbage can the other day. Oh, I saw... And I was like, why would you carry this here? I saw an int, uh, like a, a space heater in a corner garbage can today, and I was like, huh? And what, I, what it has to be expressed to most people that listen to this live here, but to people that don't live here, is like, this was always part of the deal. 
And it was always part of the novelty of New York of being like, oh, wow, some asshole stuffed like a, a bed headboard in the corner garbage can. And isn't it's that, funny. Isn't that quirky? But now that it's I mean, I used constant, to I used to love seeing Worcester Street, 8 a.m. Sunday morning, garbage bag full of wine bottles and popper bottles yeah, on yeah. the street. Funny. Who had a sex party to, last night? Right, right. You know? Well, you know, so what what ends up happening is because these people feel disrespected and no one's in a position to really regulate them either, they just start taking matters into their own hands. So I'll give you a couple examples. Like the cop example is the easiest. They just don't enforce anything anymore. The same thing's happening in LA. The same thing's happening in a lot of places where like basically they got their funding cut for political reasons. Or they got, no, LA got more. Their budget went up. Some people got more. Some people got less. I mean, I think New York got more too. But there were everybody got more. But like in in uh, in Minneapolis, they got less, and then they made it more because the cops were making an issue Being, of it. Mm. And but you know, so everybody's not feeling great, and they are feeling disrespected in general by the people that they're there to service. Even if that's not entirely true, they get that ambient sense from the media, and they probably get that vibe from a lot of people that interact with them. So they just stop doing anything. For the most part, like the 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 homeless person on the train that was smoking the other morning, like there wasn't a cop in that car, but there were cops at the station where that person got on. Like there's homeless people like nodding off and passed out like everywhere. And they used to make some effort to be like to rein this in, but they just don't anymore. And partly it's probably overwhelmed. But I also think there's an attitude thing, which you could say that's not justified. I don't know if I was in their position, I'd probably feel like, fuck you to everybody in this city, too. The garbage workers are the same thing. I've noticed, for example, on my walk to work when I get off the train, Columbus Circle, Mm -hmm. I have a 15-minute walk to get to work. I pass by a hospital. I've noticed that the garbage men often, not always, only pick up the hospital's trash and don't pick up the residential trash on the street because the hospital trash is so copious that they sort of have to because the pile is literally like a quarter of a block long and 10 feet high. The hospital should have its own... They have, a, they have a dumpster, collector. and I'm sure they have private collectors for the sensitive material, but I'm just talking about their office trash, their oh, paper. Right. Like yeah. They have normal trash, too, that just goes on the curb, and mm. it's a massive pile. So That's the garbage workers wild. come and do that, and I can't tell if they sometimes leave everything else because the truck is full. I would imagine that's sometimes true. But I also just think they're just like, nah, we did enough for this block or this morning. You've hit, they hit the quota and of they that's just enough trash. It. Yeah, and I mean, that's happened here where it's like, oh, did we not pick up trash last night? And they're like, we'll get it the next time. Yeah, and again, it's worth reiterating that I'm sure they're having all the staff shortages and stuff, but there's just there's no checks on this. What are you going to do? You're going to call 3 and one They're going to be like, yeah, yeah we fuck you. can't I don't, do yeah. it. I don't know. Go put it back in your garbage can. You know? yeah. But it is. There, there are like systemic problems that are not, not being addressed at all. I don't know. It, I mean, granted, like... I almost drove to the city today because I was like, well, I got to go to Chelsea and then do another neighborhood. I mean, mm, mm, maybe we drive. And I was like, you know, it's more of a hassle because, again, the circle parking, I didn't want to do it, you know. Um, but then I was like, oh, my thing with I driving forgot is about that... the people like who go. Anybody got money to eat? And I'm like, ma'am, stop falling into me. Like, what are you doing? Girl, I know I got two bottles of wine clanking in my Bag, Look, I know harsh. you're new to it at this point because you haven't really been taking the subway for two years. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I feel somewhat compelled to be a little careful talking about this because I agree with you basically that it's annoying and stuff. But like it is, dude, it's, just, it's such a sad situation. Yeah. When, when they just let everybody out, 
during COVID and were like, yeah, we just can't. Good luck. We just can't yeah. deal with this anymore. Right. And they're obviously never going to deal with it again. The the human desperation in is big high. Is yeah, that's insane. This is it's I, really bad. This is that's and it's sad. It's hard to look at, and it's it's extra hard to just ignore it. And like, well, but what else are you supposed to do? I don't know. You could try to help everybody or give them a dollar or whatever, but like, the person's not being serviced. Whatever. Like you yeah. could you could do that or you could not do that. It's just hard to be around. It's it takes a psychic toll. It's bad. My morning commutes. I mean, it's so much like. The am- the amount of solicitation and the amount of homelessness it's it's so in your face right now because uh, and for a lot of people I don't think they realize this because they either commute by car or work from home now I don't think people realize how much worse it's gotten and the only people that consistently interact with it are people that are just barely scraping by but do have a job so they're not like tolerating it well it's hard I mean I, hard. I did notice like a lot of people on the train just looked exhausted everybody's so exhausted yeah. Because if you if you have to commute right now, it's bad. It sucks. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, but you know, then you go to certain neighborhoods and everybody's just like, "Oh my god, I love my Lululemon leggings," and I'm gonna eat my sweet cream while walking and mm-hmm. power conference calling because I don't have to go to the office. Yeah, I'm like, you are the worst. Oh, you are the worst. Granted, I just. Explain that I hate taking the train and we'll drive everywhere. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Anywho, Gober Show's interesting. Uh, yeah, you posted a pic from the Gober Show, I think. Yeah, the fountain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so don't love... I read a review that was like... I think it was in the Manhattan Art Review Credit Corner thingy, where it was like, uh, you know, some of the... I make all the parts gets a little too twee. And I was like, you know, I can kind of see it in these because there's like aged window frames that are clearly like drawn scratches. And yeah. They yeah. kind of jump out as like being false. Because like peeling paint can only happen through certain kind of aging and not like carving. Yeah, but he's always he's always trumploid everything. So I don't really get that complaint from people. Uh, These look... Uh, I don't know. They don't... He, he also has like a storybook aesthetic, you know? The Trump right. was never meant to be accurate. It was meant to signify that it's different, that it's not a simulation. I but, think the you know? Trump of the like uh, newspaper clippings and stuff like that is always a little bit more interesting because it's like aged and all that kind of stuff. When it's When it's these dioramas and these steel cubes or steel boxes, um, I don't know didn't quite doesn't hit in the same way yeah i don't know i don't i don't really have too strong an opinion i guess i just always felt like that it's a pretty clear thread in gober's work like a midwestern kitschiness and like a storybook illustrative aesthetic it had like that you know like it was always part of it so if he's gone a direction where he's gotten a little bit more cartoony with his trump like jasper johns also does this to some degree his wood doesn't look like wood it looks like a representation of accurate wood. Right. Which is a different space to work in yeah. than trying to like do something meticulously. I think... And I think people get confused because it takes a similar amount of time. So they think, right. oh, he's trying his hardest. But no, I think he's doing it in a style, which is different. Yeah, but I didn't like it. Um, but... Uh, yeah, but it's one thing... I mean, what does that mean to not like it? 
I just like, a lot of people will say stuff like that. Like it sounds like the Manhattan Art Reviewer said the same thing, where it's like, eh, it's just a little too twee for me, which is fine if that's not your taste. But like, what is that in service of? Is what you should actually criticize? Well, yeah, but I, I mean, I just think I don't think I've ever seen uh, like these shadow box things from Gober, unless they were fountains or other kind of wall insets. So to have these little like grade school, but like bulked up with steel case dioramas i was like eh, you don't know um they're they're fine they're just not the things in the show that i was like "Ooh, i'm here for that there were two of them that i was like okay this is funny um but there's like the cutout snow snowflakes are on a couple of them that are taped like what you would do in grade school you'd cut a little like foldy guy and then go oh we're taping it right to glass that's a little that's where it gets a little twee i'm like maybe not this i don't like this um but fountain's cool fountain in a suit sure i'll take a fountain in a suit does the same thing a does where you're like trying to see where it ends and it just keeps going up and you're like wow like it can still be magical but like when the other things aren't quite as magical it kind of brings you down a little bit yeah i mean i haven't seen the show yeah Neither probably have a lot of the listeners, so no. I, it's hard. It's hard for me to speak to it exactly. I mean, I've seen pictures of it online, yeah. and everybody keeps talking about the suit fountain. Yeah, suit fountain's great. Um, but the Sue Ellen Rocka show, I thought was better. Who's that? I don't know. Um, but a painter and drawer that Matthew Mark shows that I honestly thought I was like, oh, are these like vintage Robert Gober like wallpaper designs? Because it has like beds that fold and do little like weird things and cats and hands and and i was like ooh, this is wild but like the way that they're painted like presages all of you know can you back up for a second like mm-hmm. what are these are these are they works on canvas or are they yeah. like wall pieces what are you talking about uh no they're like there's a couple uh, there's a lot of drawings like graphite on paper uh-huh very like wallpaper pattern like repeat style um and then there's a couple uh paintings on what's what size is this 11 by 14, 11 by 17. Or 16 by 20. Mm, that's maybe. You're in a big gallery. You have to remember that. Uh, yeah. But the thing, yeah, good thing of frames. Um, little, I think, oil on canvases. Um, these really lurid colors, very pastel. Um, with, again, lots of repeat pattern situations. A lot of little hands flying everywhere. I was like, ooh, hands. We love a hand moment. Um, hands and fishes and uh i don't know it was just very pastel palette like it reminds me like i'm like oh there's so many like young people doing this but not as good like the idea of like kind of kitschy soft shapes like 80s soft shapes like memphis soft shapes but i'm gonna pause and look up one of these because i can't okay i can't follow this i have no idea who this artist is um what's her name sue ellen rocca this but that's not a good representation of the pattern one um God, what the, why the fuck is this so hard to find i hate looking up artists on the internet honestly it's so impossible hang on a second oh sue ellen is one word that's yeah. why it's so hard okay she was a member of the harry who oh a chicago imagist person mm-hmm. okay so i'm looking at these um i could see i could see why these would be appealing to you yeah and they they do they do have a gober thing going on because they're patterned, but they have that. Well, they have that illustration quality 
that they're like ripped from children's books or something like very reductive images of houses like hands um like a reclining nude um line representations of like bodies in poses yeah and then drawings that are like semi surrealist of like a tree in a purse like but like bird trees in yeah. a pregnant woman's belly like not a reap it looks like a repeat pattern sketch up you know i think Lowy hollowell actually probably looks at this artist like almost certainly I, there's a lot of people who i'm sure look at her and bite it um i don't i really don't mean this in a in a chauvinistic way at all but i genuinely think like women would really like these they see it seems like they're a in a way that's not penetrable to me, except in the most superficial sense, like about well, there's a lot of lady drawings, yeah. bodies and being pregnant and like, but like some of the color choices, I was like very gay. Having Gober, hips, you, you know, know? Yeah. Well, they're just, it's just, it's typically feminine, you know, a little, but the way it's handled though, I'm like, eh. do you, well, like- and it's interesting. Cause I, th- I could see how this artist like probably would have gotten short shrift Oh, these are brand new. Yeah, they're, so she's they're just an old she, lady. Yeah, she's now. an old lady. Oh, okay, but they look really y- like youthful. Do you remember that guy Ryan Nord Kitchen? Yes. Looks like that. Like, like he was probably like, I'm biting sort of, some of this. But his stuff was too studied and uh, tight ass. Yeah, over determined. Whatever like, happened to him? He fell off a cliff. Yeah, I don't know. That market imploded. Okay, well, I was I was actually thinking about lots of you know whatever happened to people, and I was like, well, for the best. Um, wow, there's a lot of work in this show. Sorry yeah, it was to great. Cut, sorry to cut you off. The yeah, the paintings are better too. The colors pretty good. It was the on the one on twenty fourth that I forget exists. The Matthew, like the long one with the big back room. Lots of interesting kind of like double images. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of mirror symmetry through the roof. Relatively simple paintings. Like the technique of them is not very sophisticated, but uh, they're very flat. Sort of straightforward. There's like no thick paint. It's all. You know, you know Julia T. Curtis or what's her name, Julia. T- Julia T. Curtis. Yeah. yeah. No, she, she was ripping she, off the other one. She probably looks like looks at this. Her drawings definitely look similar. Anyway, so what what were you talking about? People that were, you're talking about has-beens. Uh, you know, young has-beens, yeah. like you know, people who skyrocketed and then where'd they go? Like they didn't have like a market crash, like in the zombie formalism way, but they just have a had a where are they now moment. Yeah. So, like who? Um, I was thinking of Johnny Abrams. Do you remember this person? Was doing lots of like really reductive um geometric abstraction sh- and then did shape canvases and then but they were just rip-offs of Alber studies but in black and white stripes. And then he just fell off the face of the earth and I went, "Okay, great." Like moved to LA, I think. Or maybe he's in New York, I don't know. Well, I think but it was like very LA looking work that looked that just was all style, no substance. Yeah, I don't know. I think if I'm understanding you correctly in what you're talking about, if you're not talking about people that had like a market moment where they reached their apex and then the bubble burst and everything kind of imploded for them just out of economic necessity, you know, collectors can't make a dime on this anymore. So you're worthless. But you're talking about people that had like this is a very like five years ago thing where like people had a pretty heavy online presence, like a lot of Instagram followers and Tumblr people and maybe we're in like a lot of group shows at artist spaces in the outer boroughs or like oh down- some of those yeah or downtown i feel like that's the best case scenario for those people like they're in a show every other week but like it's not a space anybody 
really cares about, even if everyone knows its name, you know, and they have a ton of followers just from basically following everybody back and commenting on every single post, like being really engaged online. But you know what? Like, it's the same thing with like political activism on the Internet. It doesn't translate into anything real. You can have all the followers you want and you can have like all the works on paper in every random group show across the entire city and in New Jersey and upstate. But like, does that translate to a collector market? Like probably not. Um, And does the same thing happen to you that happens to everybody else? Like, yeah, you get more hearts on Instagram and that's probably like a nice rush, but your studio still costs money. Right. And if you have a life change and you have to move to another city or whatever, maybe you get a job that's more demanding and you're not really making so much art anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's just kind of what happens to those people. Maybe. And imagine, especially if you're the kind of like, this is a more recent development, but if you're a proto hustling grind person and you do it for like five or six years and it doesn't pay off, you're probably more disillusioned than the average bloke who's like, hey, I never had a fucking chance anyway. So my bitterness and resentment is not anything new. <laughs> you know like it doesn't bother me to try and keep making art because i never basically like the first year out of grad school i was like yeah this isn't gonna work out okay you know let's get out of your pity party you're in a well, gr- no, you're I'm, in a group show in a month what i'm trying to what i'm trying to tell you is i'm not throwing a pity party for myself at all oh i have been for a decade <laughs> but it's given me a it's given me a lens on life that's different that's like yeah well then you know i don't know i'm because it's a self-indictment, right? Like, fundamentally, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is I'm lazy and I just didn't want to put in the hustle and grind work. And I feel bad for the people that do and still fail. Right. I always yeah. have the out if I never really tried. So, therefore, I can always maintain in my mind that I'm better than everybody else. Mm. But that's just lazy self-defense mechanism, you know. But it can, it does kind of keep you going. Because I don't really care. I am self-assured. I've always been a failure. If it I also keep, lets you If take, I keep being a failure, it doesn't get worse. It also lets you take risks. I guess, I, yeah. You know, of. like... Well, it lets you... Well, my point is that it lets you maintain. Oh. It's well. not even about taking risks or not. Like, what do you mean risks? If there's no audience, you're not doing anything. Well... So it doesn't It doesn't really matter how stylistically different you are one painting to the next. No one's paying attention to you. Yeah, but... Yeah, but for your own mind and for your own, like... There's uh, no consequence to it. The consequence is... Because you could also similarly make an argument that your that your risk taking is severely limited because your resources are, right? So which is also true. Yeah, th- yeah. it kind of comes out in the wash in that sense. It's right. more of a psychological thing of just an attitude towards making art or not. Like you want to keep making art, like keep making art. I think it's kind of weird to like need the likes in order to do it. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm pointing out. Yeah. The like. Hey, yeah. I don't know. And I think for some people, it could be a totally organic thing. I could be totally wrong here. I tried to I tried to be generous in the sense that like hey you have a life change and it just don't work out and you stop yeah. doing it I'm sure a lot of people are pretty sanguine about it they don't care one way or another right but I do think there there must be a contingent of these people that get super disillusioned and give it up because they've been spited by the world somehow right I find it hard to believe that given their behavior online that they don't need like they don't have expectations you know yeah psychological needs that aren't being fulfilled anymore that makes them hateful that whoa. I mean, I also think, like, you know, I've been thinking about this particular quote a lot. Um, There's, uh, you know, this was explained to me very young, and I should have, like, well, you only learn it later. Um, That um, there's artists who can, and there's artists who need to do, right? Um, Like, there's a lot of people who can do a lot of things, 
Um, but it's a matter of like, mm, is it something you feel a deep need to do? And, you know, as I age, I'm like, is this something I need to do? I don't know. Um, I think that truism has has value as a piece of advice to young people that need to hear that. Um, but I think it's ultimately bullshit. Uh, I don't think anybody yeah. needs to do art. And I think if you... Or anything in their life. And I think if you eventually reach a point where you're like, yeah, I don't know if I need to do this. I just do it every six years or every 10 years when the fancy strikes me or I never do it again. But you don't frame it in catastrophic terms of, oh, my God, this is the last piece I'm ever making. If you're doing that, something else is going on. But if you just slowly stop doing it or whatever, no, nobody. the, The idea that there's people that can and people that need to this romantic fantasy that artists are like compelled and they need to right, do it yeah. is all garbage. No, it's a it's a practice. Um yeah, it's I, not. It, there, it doesn't. It doesn't come down magically as some like moral compulsion that you absolutely must pursue. That's all garbage. Yeah, me. I mean, I, you know, because I, it requires so much sacrifice. I kind, I find it kind of offensive when like well-meaning people will tell me this. Like I find members of my family often do this, where they're like, "Oh, you know, it's so great that you're an artist. You just need to create." And I'm like, "You don't understand. Like this is not easy for me financially." psychologically in every respect this is suffering and my choosing to do this is not some fucking romantic thing it's not a compulsion it's a choice and it might be a bad one and like i'm willing to admit that to myself that kind of realism it is the meme of i will never financially recover from this it is Uh, (laughs) it's, it's very tiger king um but you know what i think of more so is like you know it's not about the need to like go in and be like, Oh, I got to move. The, uh, I got to like, it's like, mm, are you a person more interestingly? Are you someone who's interested in trying to problem solve something through aesthetics? Some, you know, whether, you know, that, or let's say something you're trying to solve some kind of question, not through aesthetics, through poetics. And I don't mean poetry. I mean, you could. One one could. There's a lot of polymaths that exist who are like, well, today I'm writing. Today I'm a musician. Today I'm, you know, moving some paint around, you know. That exists. Um, but, like, you... But that, that If you jump around too much, that's just self-indulgence writ large, where you're like, well, I'm going to try this one. You're like, well... Well, I think there's a lot of people that call themselves polymaths when really all that means for them is that they, easily bored that they have a passing interest superficially in a lot of different things a true polymath is fluent in multiple idioms right there's very few people that are fluent in multiple idioms um at all even two let alone five or six or ten you know right. and you can tell the difference when you're talking to somebody that um has more than a passing interest. God, I'm blanking on it right now, but there is a word for this. Um, not a philistine, not a charlatan, not a sycophant. Getting all the derogatives out of your fuck. Out this, of your is, this is really going to bug bug me because I do know it. Do, 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 oh, that doesn't do, help. <laughs> anyway, I'm not. I was going to say I'm you have gonna, five seconds. I'm not. I'm not going to be yeah. able to think of it, but there is a word for the type of person that. Um, 
basically exposes themselves as only knowing the surface level of a topic uh, and doing that as a matter of habit. We call them RVists typically. I don't know what that word means. Because they, they pa- uh, RVists uh, typically related to a social climber, like the idea of the talented Mr. Ripley. That's that's a story of an RVist, someone who jumps on the scene, presumes knowledge, doesn't know anything beyond surface be- that can get them by. Sure. Yeah, I think um, I was thinking of something else, but that's that's along the same line. So, so my point was only that there's there's a lot of people that do that. Yeah. Um, not a lot of actual polymaths. But the thing with like what you were saying about problem solving in aesthetics, I think the reason that I remain committed to it as a form of thinking and as a form of practice uh, is that I have a lot of sunk cost in this, and for better or worse, it is the only idiom that I know back like the back of my hand. So it is the way that I internalize the world, and it's the way I think about everything. So I don't, I don't really have much of a choice. Like, and it's a difficult position for a visual artist because it is a really unique category. Like, if you're a, a an aspiring like mathematician and you fail at your theoretical pursuits, you can easily slip into doing chemical engineering or something, something yeah. else with just a glancing pass at another category that you're not that familiar with. And you'll immediately be able to land a job that'll be 75% satisfying and 2000 times more lucrative than being a philosophical math professor. Right. Um, The same with, uh, you can work for Google, the same with philosophy. If you go into philosophy and you're, you know, your academic career doesn't end up working out. You can easily slip into the social sciences and like other things like these have broader applications. You can even slip into mathematics. A lot of philosophers have to learn math. Um, oh, as part of their job, so yeah. so like, but I with, mean, but we with know vis- someone who does who did this, but a lot of people can do this in the sense of slipping into designers or something like that. That's always a possible option if that's what you mean. Well, no, like someone like Phil who basically had to learn UX. And well, coding, yeah, and I give like, him a lot of credit for that, but that's that's um, that's still problem solving, and it's still problem solving mostly through images, but like. He was also always inclined through his other interests to have like a fascination with bureaucracy and utility. Right. That's a certain kind of artist. I don't really care that much about utility. Hmm. I I order my shit off Amazon because it works. I don't have an interest in utility per se. It's like not a thing I'm interested in working with or fucking with, you know? Hmm. People that are more interested in fashion are more interested in utility in a certain sense. Right. Because how do you play with that idea? I don't care about playing with that idea. It just works or it doesn't work. I know nothing about it, you know? So what I'm saying is if you're a visual artist, it's hard because visual language is not appealing to most people and most people don't understand it. Like think about the number of people in the world that are very, very smart. I run into this on Tyler Cowen's blog all the time. I like his blog, Marginal Revolutions. And the comment section of it is full of a bunch of like libertarian economists, right? And by and large, they're really smart people and not just on economics. You can go into that comment section and hear them talk about chemistry and philosophy and classical music and a lot of things. But every time visual art comes up, especially contemporary art, they're like, oh, everything everything uh, after Manet was just garbage. Like People don't understand <sighs> art outside of like so realistic representation and technique. Yeah, yeah people, th- people regard modernism as a, as a real mistake. And Manet is modernism. But listen, you're talking about people, again, with like a glancing past this. Right. What I'm saying is like it, it is difficult to understand contemporary art. You have to know a lot about semiotics, and you have to know a lot about poetry. And how many people know a lot about those two things? Even smart people. You have not to know a lot many. about a lot. 
like I, I yeah you do i just think like if you think about like you know even to appreciate like like a julia marie too you have to know that there's it's about it's diagramming what financial something something superstructures i i don't i never buy it because i'm like these are really nice things to hang in lobbies um but like something someone like annika Yee, where you have to be like oh this is about certain pheromonal science studies you know like it's well the, that the thing but... is though those examples of art um to take them for a second are actually some of the most accessible ones to smart lay people because right. what they basically do is di- is diagram complex systems to artists i think they're not very interesting because they're not very poetic they are basically just illustrations of abstract like Cirrus is this too where it's of like course. i'm diagramming all the little shit and you're like cool heim heim uh, heim heim the heim sisters heim steinbach uh, Hans Steinbach, I think, is a much better artist. That's not—he's—he's he's not even in the same category. Yeah, he's still as these just people. putting stuff on shelves. Yeah. Well, well, wait a minute. Let's—they—they invo- they trigger a lot because they're all just signs but that are. But hang on, arranged. hang on, hang on. You're misunderstanding. The thing with like Sarah Z or Julie Marais to art twenty-one art mm-hmm. from the early twentieth, early twenty-first yeah. century is the prime example of reintroducing. Um, representation in an analytic way they're very classic artists like in the vein of poussin um rather than delacroix interesting um they reintroduce a classicism to art right through the lens of modernism which is the part that normal people don't understand but they don't have to yeah you know out of a tradition of the constructivists and they take um line and geometry and map it onto complex systems of today like finance um like uh pheromonal or chemical science um in sarah's sarah z's case like modification like the workings of a studio as an analogy for again probably economic systems or just a broader infrastructure right let's say um and they make it very literal mark bradford too mark bradford i think is similar but it's but slightly better he he's better at melding the poetics of a material with a similar type of message about racial injustice. But his things at the end of the day are layered. They're luscious. They're painterly. They were innovative in taking collage and paint and making it into kind of a new form. Or, um, Julie Maretu's things are very conventional. Um, Sarah yeah. Z's sculptures in a certain sense are pretty conventional. If you contrast her with Jason Rhodes, who's more fun and poetic? Jason Rhodes easy oh i mean are you fucking kidding yeah but you know and if you take um if you take anika yi i know less about but like if you take her and then you contrast it with like ulafar eliasson you know artist oh. of a similar era who's trying uh, to deal jason what's his face that guy sends the gold disc up in his face i don't know let me finish my point okay real quick. um contrast it with ulafar eliasson like someone that's also using similarly like ethereal sensorial experiences like vastly more poetic and um, lush than something that's a diagram of that experience. Well, it's more sensuous. I don't want to, you know, whether that's good or bad, I don't know because, you know, fueled by cocaine. Um, But like, well, yeah, I think, I think that's a fair criticism of what I just said because I obviously come down more on the side of, uh, romantic art over classic art if you want to use that old dichotomy i just genu- i just generally think that 
classical art by definition is more conservative it's about preserving tradition it's not really about um it's, it's not it, existential it is uh, it's moving the dial in a much slower way than you know going to 11 every time you know like a, a serizy is you know an outcropping of hamstein because he's only a little bit older than her i don't know why you keep bringing him up in this context but Organ- we can circle organizing back to things that. you know like and we go through like different kind of organizational installation art that was maybe a little bit more you know 11 like think about a supports for foss or yeah, like but this a isn't, Barret, but this isn't like, just a que- this isn't just a question of intensity because there's plenty of classical art that's really intense too such as um high, high modernism i i would say that uh somebody like kenneth noland is a classic artist he uses all the tenets of classicalism but he can make a really intense work so can uh, Ellsworth Kelly. Mm, I don't think they're intense. So can Rothko. Rothkos are intense. Ellsworth Kelly's are not intense. Ellsworth Kelly's can be intense. Yeah, sure. Mm, on occasion. Some of them, not so much. Um, but again... I, I mean, that one that's in Washington, D.C. that is like a huge wall-sized um, multi-panel um, monochrome rainbow... I'm sorry, that, that's paradoxical. That doesn't make any sense. Each panel is a monochrome painting, but then it makes a wall-sized, like, grid rainbow. It is so intense. The Kelly? Yeah. Yeah, but the one at the Met is kind of shitty. You're, like, cute. I think you might just be desensitized to the one at the Met and kind of taking it out of historical context, which is hard to help but do. Yeah. However, I don't know. I think that work is, when installed correctly, I think you would see it in a different way. Right. Um, like if that work was at Dia in the same sense that the Warhol shadows were, I'd probably lose. You would my have shit. a way yeah. different reaction to it, yeah. And also something I've only seen in photographs, so I, I can only be like, "Oh, what a nice little small picture." I think um, I, I what I was trying to do was just reinforce the point that you were making, which I think is important. That I'm exposing my taste to a certain degree, which is a fair criticism, and that it, you know, not necessarily are certain things better than other things or lacking in intensity or whatever. The conversation just started with people like Julie Moretu and how do regular people appreciate a complex visual language they don't understand. Right. I think the more accessible things to me as an artist are usually more boring. I would rather see the more extreme and less explainable examples because uh, there's more to chew on there for someone that understands all the nuances. Like right. Julie Moretu, I feel like I can look at uh, the pile of flashcards and be like, yeah, I know the answer on the back of all of these. Whereas if I look at a Jason Rhodes, I'm like, I don't really get what his motivation for a lot on, yeah. of this was. And that's way more interesting to me. And to scale it back, like a Felix Gonzalez Torres is this too, where you're just like. Very classic artist, but very beautiful. But it's impenetrable too, to a certain extent. Yeah, like, totally. It is what it is, but it's not that. Like, I, I think that Felix Gonzalez Torres is always interesting to me because the identity politics around him has really uh, shrouded his greatness, in my opinion. The constant AIDS narrative, as present as it is and as important as it is, is not really what his work is about. It's about loss. Yeah. In general. Right. It, you would never certain, have to, yeah. like, you would, like, eventually. It's hard because his works are so ephemeral in a certain sense, but like eventually in um, centuries or millennia when his name is lost, you know, like we lost all, every Greek painter. No, you know, you get the pits of panels. Nobody knows who fucking painted those. Yeah. 
if you could imagine as hard as it is and maybe as impossible as it is with our data retention like if that ever happened to Felix Gonzalez Torres and the AIDS crisis was a long forgotten thing, his name was forgotten, his identity was forgotten, would the work still um, ring yeah. out? And yeah. I, I think maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. It's hard when things rely on technology. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, painting uh, is different than a string of light bulbs, you know? All those would, light bulbs are being replaced by whatever. Because if you really yeah. look at this, like from an archaeological perspective, nobody would be able to identify it as art anonymously. They wouldn't know. Except for maybe its location, but. Hmm. Oh, this museum with all these paintings in it also had an ancient string of incandescent light bulbs. Like, I wonder why they kept it around. They might have just thought it was a novelty in the hallway. Who's to say it's a sculpture? So, hmm. But anyway, your point is taken that, yes, his work is about loss more broadly. And the best artists, I think, combine the romantic and classical traditions into a kind of transcendent amalgam yeah. that makes them beat the any dichotomy. And that's that's where it gets, you know for lack of a better word, that like magical in between space where you're just like which is the show of the curtains up at uh the Judd House right now. They have blue curtains up on the bottom floor. Um which in that building looks fantastic, even from the outside. You don't even have to go in, but you're just like Oh, this is out of place. And that's that's kind of I I oh I, I think the the goal of like good art is like something should be out of place. Like good painting should appear out of time or out of place. Like, I don't like when things are like this, so, this describes our current uh, mode. Just so exactly. I'm like, well, that's boring. That's the illustration problem. But when, yeah. it, when, when something is so out of place and just takes you into your presentness and, you know, into your viewing of the thing and kind of cancels out, context well it can never really do that but it make it kind of like is a little like what am i looking at exactly like i that's when i go oh this this is why like even seeing the sewell and rock i was like what the fuck are these like i don't know what this is this is really weird to me well it's like you can look at you can look at guernica right and most people even artists that are have been exposed to guernica their entire lives are not familiar with the Spanish Civil War and the exact context of like where Picasso was at that time and what his allegiances were and what the Germans were doing in Spain. Like nobody knows that shit at all. But you do know that this is a painting about the horrors, and of it's war. huge. Yeah, and um, yeah, executed on a grand scale. You get that the black and white is like a really intentional choice. There's all this symbolism, like w- regarding like the light bulb and like the mother losing her child, and like it's pretty conventional at the end of the day but but using a contemporary subject you can do that like the reason that people hate paul chan's uh new show so much is that it doesn't do any of that it's it's the worst um representation of a current event for no reason you're not making a point about this like i'm sure there is good january 6th art but what you're saying is really one note january 6th was bad you might as well have written that on a piece of paper at the same scale and shown that. You making a drawing of the Viking guy doesn't communicate anything more than that. Yeah. Uh, well, and and I mean, I, we kind of touched on this when Mike was here the other night kind of talking about it because I, I feel sensitive about this because I do I do think of myself in in a limited way as a kind of history painter and I do like to use like current events and things and I have done this before but you always have to have the aim of ambiguity in mind like and if you fail that's okay but this idea of um, transcending simply illustrating a moment and instead trying to draw from it like what's 
what's actually going on here, not in the sense of what is politically explainable, um, but what's the atmosphere that this is creating? Right. Or can I penetrate uh, a layer of that and say, isn't this an interesting contradiction of the time and the thing? You can use current events. You can. Nobody should like shy away from that. But um, you're not a documentary maker. You're an artist. Documentarians can be artists too. Absolutely they can, but I think what we're talking about here is the the distinction has been collapsed where uh, illustration, documentation, and art are not being distinguished between right now. Right. Like Adam Curtis is obviously an artist in the form of making documentaries, you know? Yeah, and some of them are bad, you know. Kind of lose the point halfway. Well, you through. say things are bad when you mean that they you don't like them. Yeah, we, I don't we, like they them. don't meet your taste, which is fine. Yeah. I so su- I absolutely support everybody's ability to say things suck if they think so. But you should also be able to defend it beyond. Eh, it just doesn't strike my fancy. It, what is your fancy, and why doesn't it meet that criteria? Is the thing I think always. I, yeah, but like when because we, we watched what three of the eight together of the Adam Curtis and yeah. like I was just like it's. Like I'm paying attention, but then I always kind of like hit a point in, especially in a multi-part thing where I'm like, what's the thread? Oh, fuck. I gotta pay attention. Fuck. It got kind of boring for a while. Oh, no. This is why I don't watch video. <laughs> like I, like it becomes video art. And I'm like, oh, I turn into that headspace where I'm like, do I really got to watch this? Oh, shit. Well, look, gotta pay it, attention? if your indictment of something like a long piece of media whether that's a long book or a long documentary or a long movie or whatever is simply that i don't have the attention span for it that's not a good criticism and that's only your problem yeah but it also could benefit from a little edit time i think it could i think there's no 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 no, no, no. because long form things are a different style of art making and if you don't have the patience for them that's not on the artist If you had consumed a lot of long-form things and were like, hey, this particular one has a problem in this area, this area, and this area, that's criticism. Saying long-form things are boring because I need to look at my phone, which is what's going on here, Well, is not fair. I'll, I think I'll watch Empire all day long. No, which you is won't. Insane. You'll, yeah, watch, no. you'll watch Empire for 10 seconds. 20 minutes. No, you won't. Yeah, have done it. I think what that means is two minutes, maybe. Okay, sometimes you really enjoy sitting in a fucking Corbusier chair for 20 minutes, and you're like, yes. Look, I I get it, man, but my point is here, like, when we are, you know, we started this episode out by, for 30 minutes, complaining about people at museums having no attention span and being complete dicks. When the conversation eventually reaches a point where you're having, like, a nuanced conversation about, like, what is good and bad in art, you need to pay attention to the way in which you're doing that. Oh, I do it a lot. And at least if you're going to be the type of person that's like, I just don't have the patience for it. That's what you should say. Not it's bad. I don't. Have I the just pa- don't have the patience I for it. I don't have the different. patience for a lot of things. Um, well, I know, but like that, that's, also, that's also not good. Es- especially now. That's, there's very small, there's a very small degree or window of opportunity to be different, be countercultural, be dissenting, whatever it is. And one of those possible windows is maintaining your attention span militantly. 
Not all the time. Right. I'm not saying you have to, like, be a Buddhist monk and be able to, you know, be in touch with yourself 24-7. But when it comes to art, especially, if that's a thing you care to be an expert about or know about, and I would include in that literature, music, movies, all sorts of things, it's incumbent upon you as someone that's going to criticize other people, especially hustle and grind people, especially lazy art uh, viewers at museums, especially lazy critics on Twitter, to not be that i would say that's a that's an impair that's an imperative right now i mean i still walked by a hans hoffman show and went not what not even gonna bother see that's insane man even if you're even if even if hans hoffman is not your taste it is but i still walked i walked by and went oh no those are not great that's late work that is subpar but you know it's late work you may never see again it's probably worth five minutes. Oh, too much. Too much. Five minutes. Too much. If, okay. <laughs> all right. We can end this episode right now. You're just doing my no, work for me at I, this point. I, I I know you dismissed like the, oh, you window shop that? I'm like, yeah. Um, because if you see one thing, even from 16 paces from like, you know, the ground, you know, ground level window to the back wall. And the thing next to it is just a slightly different version and the slight changes that you know were an intentional uh, twist. like, And they still are like kind of just not happening. You go, I'll keep walking. Like variations on a thing. Because, you know, it's all context clues too. Of like, what, where am I seeing this? What, what gallery is it? Like, oh, these are going to be like... Oh, always going to tend towards the more decorative versions of the breakthroughs of this person's career. So like, uh, are these going to be good ones or bad ones? Can I just kind of scope it out or do I have to get closer? And sometimes the answer is maybe you don't have to go in. I know you hate that, but I, I do think like a certain part of like being a careful viewer is also not burning yourself out on, you know, the Doritos of contemporary art or modern any sort of viewing you sometimes have to be like you know i don't need the carbs today i mean i think you're telling on yourself a little bit by calling somebody like hans hoffman doritos a late hans hoffman yeah it's doritos it's not great also again like if you if you trust your ability as an art viewer so hard that you can do all of that in a fraction of a second i mean i guess but that that kind of self-regard is um not very humble and i don't respect it like I was also getting tired and had to pee. At the end, of the, at the end, at the at the end of the day, I just don't. I had basal you know, needs. Okay, sure, but look, even if even if art is bad, there's very few unique objects in the world, you know, and it's almost always worth looking at things that had time spent on them that are not mass produced. You can look around this room, and there's very few of them in it, and there's more in this room than there are in the average room times ten. Right. So. If this is a thing you like or are devoted to, even if you don't like it, it's always worth spending a little bit of time on it. And and five minutes might be a stretch, but like walking in the door and, you know, looking at each painting, it's not that much of a stretch. And and I would also argue to one of your other points that you should pay attention to context less. Who cares what gallery it's in or what you think you know about it? This is all preconceived notions. It's not really relevant to the fact of the matter at the end of the day. 
I think too much emphasis is put on viewing art in context. That's not really good art doesn't need it. And even bad art benefits from ignoring it. Right. Which is why I didn't go to Petzl today. Cause I was like, ooh, never mind. Ellen McCollum. I mean, you know, I, I'm guilty of this sometimes, too. Like, Alan McCollum's actually a really good exa- example of, like, you, eh, you've seen him one, you kind of seen them all. Um, but to me, that's sort of for different reasons. Like, Alan McCollum's just a commercial hack. That's why I don't think it's really worth seeing uh, another black square in another ceramic frame again. But Hans Hoffman's, all of his paintings are different. And if they're more similar, that's kind of interesting. What was he up to? You know, in his late life, he was just doing versions. Was that commercially oriented? Maybe. Maybe. But, like, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I think Alan McCollum's done everything in his power to get window shopped. I don't think that's true of a lot of artists, though. Mm. But you have to have a reason for that. The Alan McCollum, just for context, just for the reason why, I, I already, for some reason, saw the press release. I don't know why. Uh, oh, I follow Petzl. Uh, it's like black and white things based off of like one of his friend's daughters like trying to draw word shapes before she learned how to write and he just went okay i'll make those into paintings i was like okay this is bad this is a really bad idea i gotta not well i mean like the idea of a little kid like trying to make glyphs kind of cool but being an old person going i'm gonna steal that and just make it big and expensive, I go, maybe not. Maybe not for me today. That's the cynical lens on it, which I think is warranted to some degree. But also, like, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it per se, is what I'm saying. Like, that actually makes me more interested in seeing the show. Hmm. It defies my preconceived notions of what I would think Alan McCollum would do. It's still going to look like an Alan McCollum, like, you know... But the shapes are going to be different, and you're like, Ooh, yeah. But new, new but shapes. so what? Maybe that may maybe that makes a big difference. I was not interested in finding out. Um, that's the problem. Yeah, but you know, I might be a bad person. That's fine. Or not a bad person, a lazy person. I'm not calling you a bad person. I'm calling you a bad critic, which should be even a worse insult to to a person like you. Yeah, I'm a hack critic, and I I accept that. <laughs> no, you 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 want what's weird is you you badly want to be Jerry Saltz, but you're not even Ew, as good no, as him. God, no. You're not even a hat critic. You don't have a point of view. Yeah, my point of view is don't waste my time. Brevity is the soul of wit. I always like would love to get me to the point as fast as possible. And as fast as possible, I think is the operative part there. Wham bam, thank you bam. Yeah, let's go. Like buy let me have me buy in from the jump like i should be like ooh, what's that and then stop and like all right like hmm. are you describing your romantic life right now because i'm failing to see the difference <sighs> listen bitch <laughs> i approach a lot of things with what are we doing who's wasting my time today waste my time 2022 no i've done it for three three four years no waste my time 20 anything like Show me the goods. Show me the goods and let's keep it moving. Either get me off or get me crabs, but I'm not going to marry you. Ew. What? What is that (laughs) I feel like that's your philosophy in life. Ew. (laughs) I haven't had crabs in seven years. Eight? Thank God. Um, Can we stop now? (laughs) (laughs) Sure.
<laughs> Can you edit that out? Wait. We have we have to pitch the Patreon. No, we don't. 